Unfolding the eternal excellences, the hidden insights of the truth and the depth of the riches of wisdom and knowledge. The Bible says, I have cleansed thee by the word. I have not pointed to your weaknesses. He says, I have cleansed thee by the word. I have pointed to your strength. And this is your strength, that I am Christ in you, the hope of glory. The glory of freedom, the glimpses into eternity. The gospel is not supposed to be an assumption. It's not supposed to be just a mere presupposition. Truth is older than language, but the word of God is way deeper than any human language. And now, Apostle Grace with the Word. Proverbs 27, 17. What does it say? Iron sharpens. Uh-huh. So, a man's sharpness, the contents of his. Read it again. So, Sharpens the countenance of his friend. Tell your neighbor, today you're going out a different person, even if you don't want to. Even if you're the most rebellious person. What does the message version say? The message says, uh give it to me in the message. Uh Uh-huh. You use steel to sharpen, and one friend sharpens another. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Iron sharpens so, the countenance of another sharpens another. Is that it? Iron sharpens iron. So, a man sharpens the countenance of his friend. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. You see, let me begin this way. We always say, and ministers, I believe everybody believes, this is a saying. I believe probably should have gone for one of the most faithful sayings in the scriptures. That our God is a God of principle. You understand? And because he's a God of principle, he's not going to forego what he has set as a principle because of your emotions. You get it? God is not emotional. God is revelational. You see, there's a place where emotions precede revelation. That is ignorance. A zeal without knowledge. Are you hearing me? A zeal without knowledge. That is when emotions precede revelation. Praise the Lord. There is a place where revelation um, precedes emotion. Are you hearing me? You see, there's a place, there's a provision for anybody to be emotional in the things of the spirit. In fact, there's a ministry by God to every man to have a degree of emotion and sentiment attached to the substance of revelation. I'm not talking about a place where a man is seeking God emotionally. Are you hearing me? To find him. I'm talking a place where a man feels after because he has found him. That is why the Bible says in Acts that he has made of one blood of all nations of the men for to dwell on the face of the earth and hath determined the times before appointed and the bounds of habitation that they should what? Seek the Lord if happily they might feel after him and find him though he be not far. In this instance, the feeling does not precede the seeking. No, the seeking precedes the feeling. So there is such a thing as godly feeling, the emotion that that God stirs up. That's why the Amplified speaks of a place where we don't preach to men by persuasive words of men, 
But the amplification speaks of a place where we stir up in the hearts of the hearers the most holy emotions. He says, and my language, let's read it, 1 Corinthians 2, 4. He says, and my language uh-huh, and my message were not set forth in persuasive, enticing, and plausible words of wisdom. But they were in demonstration of the Holy Spirit and the power approved by the spirit and power of God operating on me and stirring up in the minds of my hearers the most holy emotions and thus persuading them. There is a place where our persuasions towards men are not towards the language of men. That's not the message of the gospel. The message of the gospel is not what a good orator you are. The message of the gospel is not how good you are at elucidating. The message of the gospel is not how much English you speak. You understand? The message of the gospel is, how, is not how you know how to, to present the gospel in the facets that you want it, in the orders that you want it to be. The message of the gospel is not when you learn to create a, a beginning, smile, heading, body, and then conclusion. No. The message of the gospel is action. The end line of every gospel and the validation of every minister as one which is preaching by proof of the Holy Spirit and the power of God operating on him is that he'll stir up in the hearers the most holy emotions. In God, there are emotions that are holy. Like there is in men that there are emotions that are unholy. You get where I'm coming from? And that's the, the very spirit of selfishness and self-centeredness. Those are unholy emotions. But in God, there are such a things as holy emotions. He says, if happily they might feel after him, that they should find him. Are you hearing me? Though he be not far. And you see, God wants men who find him to have a certain feel after because if you don't carry a certain emotional attachment to the what you find, you'll be casting pearl to swine and you'll be abusing the gift of God. You'll dissipate the Holy Spirit. God requires a certain attachment and feeling after if you should find a certain place in God. There is a depth in God that once you're introduced into, if you don't have a particular line of maturity, you might destroy. You might destroy. And that is why there is that love that edifies, even though there is a progressive knowledge that puffs up Gnosis, right? He speaks of a place where knowledge puffs up, but he speaks of a place of edification. That place of edification is a place when we are established in love, the place where we know how we ought to minister to every man. Are you hearing me? How we ought, not what to minister. There's a place where we have too much of ministry, of what to minister. But how to minister to the spirits of men is very important. Are you hearing me? That is why Paul says, I became all things. How can a man become all things? That I might save some. To the law as them which are under the law. To them which are not under the law as them which are not under the law. No, the Bible says not, not under the law. He says for they speak that if they are not under the law, it's true, but they are under the law of Christ. To Christ. You get it? But he says that I became all things that I might gain the weak. He says, I made all things to all men. In other words, before he becomes, by decision, he takes on the form of the very thing. That very form of the very thing is what stirs up in them the most holy emotions to trust the spirit of that man. Because the Christian must learn to carry on a certain form to convince men that you're one of them. You cannot say I'm a fisherman and you're not smelling fish. Are you hearing me? So, there is a place where we also have to take on a certain form. And that's the place where we limit what men know about us in the knowledge that sometimes there is a place where they'll question who we are and bar us from a place of ministering to them because they get to know later what we know. 
I don't know that you understand what I'm saying. We're kind of like secret agents who come in on a mission with a certain knowledge of how we carry a certain mandate from God to the ministration of men, but also with the maturity of how we ought to appear to these men. Are you hearing me? We don't just give it. So anyhow, I was saying that the God you're talking about is a God of principle. Okay? He's a God of principle. So he's not going to melt his emotions on a man who has ignored the principles that are set. You get it? And when I'm talking about emotion, I mean Hagar, the Bible says, which is the mature one, puts the little young lad away. And the Bible says she weeps because they're out of water. She says, look for water everywhere and there is none. And the Bible says she puts the boy afar, a boy shot far away, and the Bible says she starts to weep. This is Hagar, weeping. And the angel of the Lord comes to Hagar and tells her, why weepest thou? The Lord has heard the tears or the voice of the lad. You get it? You're crying. I'm not interested in your emotions. There's a woman crying here. There's a baby crying there. But God is hearing a 14-year-old crying. And he has refused to hear the mature mother. Because this is a seed of Abraham. Luke 8, 11. The seed is the one. That's the parable. In other words, that if you're talking of the word of faith, God will respond more to the word of faith than your tears. Some people waste, oh, hey, God, you see, you, you, you understand it, because they, 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 they teach them certain things, you know. Actually, the problem in our country, in Uganda, and the Christendom across the world, it's how we are taught. It's how we are taught. Do you, have you noticed that men who come from witchcraft, eh, backgrounds, I'm not talking about these small things, the ones with small pipes and they've never even seen devils. I'm talking to people who have been in the deepest lines of sorcery, you know, guys who levitate, you know, do all these kinds of things, uh, teleport. When they get born again, they become crazy. You know why? Because, you see, the challenge we have had, even in the education that we are having, all of us, and perhaps that very education has been passed on in the way we even teach Christ. And, and for me, that's my sadness. My sadness is the way we, they teach us in primary school is the way we teach in church. We are, the biggest weakness of the church is that we teach men from abstract to reality. From abstract to reality. You get it? You remember when we were in primary? It was all from abstract to reality. You're going to learn the alphabet. A, B, A, apple. Me, I saw an app on a wall before I saw it. <laughs> so I was forced to carry an imaginary picture of what an apple looks like. Are you hearing me? Then from that perspective, the day I saw apple, I said, ah, this is apple. But I could have forgotten the A apple because I've never experienced apple. You understand? If, if, if you're, you're a Muganda man and you're teaching your child, you say, hey, Abana. So I said, because they can't. <laughs> you see but they told me apple I didn't know apple they told me for giraffe my mother I remember when I was young I even had a t-shirt of a giraffe you understand mommy remembers you see so you're telling me something I cannot relate with and that's the problem with Christianity we are always giving abstract abstract revelation, abstract mysteries, abstract experience, abstract stories, you understand? So you have a bunch of guys who look like they know, but they don't know. 
And then you say, you see, if you say I have a PhD in theology, you're supposed to be teaching how to be raise dead bodies. You're not supposed to be writing a cultus of burying dead men. You understand? You're not, I'm not, you're not, come on, you cannot produce a book of how to bury dead men, the service of burying dead men, sides of the deceased, the stories of the friends, the order of service, the songs and hymns. If you carry a PhD, by the time you, by the time you, when they say, that's a PhD holder in theology, you're supposed to be walking on water. But today, PhD holders in theology are becoming more complicated. And guys who haven't gone to school are walking on water. (laughs) Hallelujah. Praise the Lord Jesus. So, the experience is that we're always teaching from abstract to reality. Abstract. This who is the Holy Spirit. Then we teach the Holy Spirit. After teaching him, we sometimes don't even show him. People go back saying, oh, so that is the Holy Spirit. So you have to pray to be filled. No, 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 no. Demonstrate, let them speak in tongues, and you tell them that is the Holy Ghost. Now, let me tell you who He is. Open the Bible from a place when you've explained to them who the guy is. But you see, everything we know is abstract. We know God heals. Have we experienced healing in our own bodies? No. We know that God is a provider. He shall provide all your needs according to His riches and glory in Christ Jesus. You understand? But people are broke. You understand? And they're beggarly. You get it? We know that our God is a redeemer. But people are stuck. You understand? He shall redeem you from trouble. In nine days of trouble, the Bible says, he shall hide you. Oh, Yereba Satala. We know the realities of these things according to the abstract mind, but we don't carry the realities of experience. So sorry. A man wakes up in the morning and tells his boy, this is how they levitate. Before they read the, the devil's book, he's teaching him this is how they do it. You understand? We became practical, even in primary school, with the devil. The devil knows that. We became practical with the devil in primary school before we demonstrated things of the spirit. Me, I acted the, listen, me, I acted witchcraft before I acted the play on Jesus Christ. You don't understand. I acted witchcraft. I acted witchcraft. They were teaching me, Jesus loves you. Yes, I know. For the Bible. Then they paint your faces. You, you understand? They are teaching abstract things. I don't know love. I don't know how the Holy Spirit works. Hey, by the way, have I even ever been in, involved in a Jesus play? I've never played Jesus. Wise men, what? Some of you probably, your children have done it. But many of us have never acted wise men. But we acted witchcraft. We acted demonic worship. Hey, folk songs. Then our parents bring money. You remember? Then my child danced. Yeah. Then you win a, ba- a, a what? A benson. Then Jaja is singing. Mvawala, mvawala. The devil would even gather people. He starts making a demand. In my primary school, a certain guy was doing it. At the end of it, the real anointing got him of the devil. When people finished and were, ah, we walked off, the guy said, who? Who? 
The parents put him in the carina. They took him back home. Then they take us to class. C-R-I. Jesus Christ. Solomon. Moses. Jonah. Obeyed God. You understand? We are just getting abstract stories of realities. That is why Uganda is in trouble. We didn't put these things. What is a fanero? What is a simani? You see, we, we are seeking a place where our children will begin from experience. I prophesy it upon your child in the name of Jesus Christ that your boy at two will come and tell you mommy I saw Jesus that the angel came by the night and told me to read Jeremiah our children ask us the meaning of the sound they don't ask us what is the sound he says, the eye may be many voices in this world, but there is none without significance. The church is not trying to look for the signification of these voices. No, the church is trying to hear the voice. See, when you start to hear God, you are shocked at how many people don't hear God. You're shocked. You can never understand this because everyone thinks that they hear God. But the day you hear God, you are shocked and about how many people think that they hear God? You are shocked at about how many people think that they hear God. It is sad to even imagine, but it is so. The church is always coming from an abstract experience going to the reality. But you see, the Bible says when Christ, which is your real life, is made manifest, you shall appear with him. In other words, the reality of Christ, the reality of Christ signifies that every time I have Jesus Christ in my life, He's supposed to begin my story every morning by an experience. I might not know what the Bible says in X or Y, but I should not be robbed of the experiences of the life of God. Look at Paul. What did he have? You see, we can read the New Testament and read Matthew and read John and Luke and Mark and, and then read all these letters to Corinth and Colossae and Timothy. And, you know, but what did Paul have? Imagine a man stuck with a Septuagint. With an Old Testament experience. But you see, he has only the Old Testament experience to look to. But while he's there, he says, oh, the righteousness of faith speaks on this wise. He quotes Deuteronomy. In the book where you expect the righteousness of the law, he pulls out the righteousness of faith. God starts to expand to him his person in the Old Testament dispensation by the experiences. And that is why at Damascus, when he had just got him born again, he says all he went preaching was Jesus is Lord, Jesus is Lord. And God tells Paul, I cannot use you even in the first missionary journey without the experiences. He says, and this gospel was taught to me by no man. Neither confided to them, to them which are in Jerusalem. He says, but the Lord took me in Arabia. Arabia, there was no God. There was no... There was, there was no good churches. No. The Bible says, I went, neither went I up to Jerusalem to them which were apostles before me. He says, but I went into Arabia and returned again to Damascus. He went to Arabia and God started to deal. You see, let me tell you, no man, no man can truly experience Christ through the camp. No man. Every, see, the place of consecration, separation, the place where God has to deal with you, has to be without the camp. That is why he says, let us go without the camp and bear the reproach. You see, because every time you're separated from the camp, you start to bear reproach. Why? Because you stop 
to become predictable. All these attacks you see in the world, they, listen, they can't attack predictable men. Don't you understand it's okay if we can tell how you're going to look like tomorrow morning. But it's a shocker because we can't plan around somebody who we can't predict. So when Paul tells you, let us go forth therefore and to him without the camp bearing his reproach, it means that any man who walks out of the camp will bear reproach. Which camp is he talking about? The folk at Jerusalem. You're full of Sadducees, you're full of uh, Asians, you're full of Pharisees. You understand? And they have their own understanding. They have a doctrine of interpretation that cannot transcend even the basic things of, of the Christian faith. You, you get where I'm coming from? That is why when I talk about the, 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 the principles of God, sometimes we talk about God being a principled God, but we don't talk about the stages in the principles. That is why in Hebrews 5, he speaks of a place where he speaks of the first principles of the oracles. The first, he doesn't call them the principles of the oracles. No, he says the first principles of the oracles, meaning the secondary principles of the oracles, the third principles of the oracles, the fourth principles of the oracles. He says, for, when, when, for the time you ought to be teachers, you have need that one man teach you again, which be the first principles of the oracles of God and become such as have need of milk and not strong meat. Because they are first principles of the oracles. They are secondary principles of the oracles. They are third principles of the oracles. They are fourth principles of the oracles. But you see, there is a necessity of a maturity into the responsibility to partake of the next stage in the principles. You see, when, when, you, when, you are, when you're still growing in God, there are things God can't give you. Not because they're not entitled to you, but because they can't make sense. To you. And you see, when the Bible speaks of men which are dull of hearing, when the Bible speaks of men which are unable to bear the insights, to bear the insights, you realize that the place of revelation, listen, the place of revelation comes with a certain weight. And that is why Zechariah speaks of the burden of the word of God. Because the, the word of God just stops to be something that tickles your fancy to speak on Thursday because you're preaching on Thursday. No, it becomes the burden of the word. Whether the burden, the, the word becomes a burden. You understand? One to me if I preach not the gospel. Jeremiah says, I held up this word and became like a fire in my bones. There's a place where the word of God ceases to be just that idea. That cause, hmm, I was reading Ezekiel 13 and then I said, hmm, okay, this is what it means. Then I, I said, wow, this is good. Let me share it. You see, until you get to a place where necessity is laid upon you, until you get, see, Paul went even from necessity to curse. He said, woe unto me if I preach not the gospel. Why? Because it came with a certain responsibility that would have earned him a very big offense before God if he delivered not the things that he asked by reason of the hunger that he had toward God. See, that is why he says, brethren, let us not all desire to be masters. For with, that, with us comes a weightier judgment. You see, because there's a place where this love abounding, like he was talking about yesterday, swings us through the pendulum of all knowledge and judging all things, approving the most excellent things. He says that we might not have offense on the day of Christ. There's a place of offense where God is not judging you for stealing and killing and murdering and lying, but a place where you don't carry a certain responsibility by the abundance given to you. To whom much is given, much is required. When the word of God gets into your spirit every morning, it starts to place a demand upon your life. It starts to place a demand upon your life. It makes you lose peace. It makes you lose appetite. It separates you from people. It makes you regard what is permissible and beneficial. It makes you regard what is priceless and what's not priceless. You spend for it. You shed blood for it. You chuck for it. You're chucked for it. 
that is the trouble some of you are facing in your marriages. Now the Lord is dealing in your life. Burdens are coming. Every time the guy comes, he wants, I want, I want, I want. Come on, when can we talk about God? Now they don't understand you. My wife changed. We used to eat biscuit every day. Now she doesn't give me biscuit. She's praying. My husband changed. We used to eat biscuit every day. See, maybe they realize the pleasure deeper than biscuit. I mean, a man gets into this thing and he says, ay, 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 He says, it's, it's better to stay alone. To a place where it's not your love for God in the testament. No, it is your blood in the testament. Listen, this gospel we are ready to die for. We, listen, we are not believing God. We are persuaded. He says, I am persuaded. So, when we are persuaded, listen, that's why Paul says, whether it's life or death, for me to live is Christ. And to die is dying. There's a place where the word of God gets into your spirit. And the burden to minister the gospel is deeper than any threats a man can ever put on your life. There's a place where you become spent and you spend. Not because you want everyone to see and say, wow, this sister can give. No, but because you believe in the story. Listen, there are people here who I know are mothers and parents. They left their children at home with homework. You understand? And, and somebody wise would say, no, it's not wise to be here when your children need homework. But you see, they realize there's something deeper than that girl's homework tonight. It's something money can't buy. God has priority in our lives. Listen, we, this is who we are. The reason why Uganda is going to change, and I believe Uganda is going to... God is sending a deliberate burden. And this burden is translated as the word in the souls of men. We might be doing funeral here. But what about those young men preaching on the streets every day? What about those people who are foregoing things? The other day I went and preached in a secondary school. These kids have now started to go secondary school to secondary school. There's a young boy in this building. He was slapped until his cheeks swelled. Why? Because he's giving out my devotionals in school. But he has not stopped to give them out. God bless those children. See, that is the kind of generation that is coming up in Uganda. Where there's a boy in senior five being slapped every day for preaching the gospel. He doesn't stop. He doesn't report to his mother. He doesn't go to police. But he's still preaching the gospel. God, listen. I wish we stopped coming to the presence of God because we need a job. I wish to stop coming to the praise of God because we need a car. I wish to stop coming to the praise of God because we need a mobile phone. I wish to stop coming to the praise of God because we need a promotion. I wish to stop coming to the praise of God because your husband is a headache. Listen, why? Because there are places where if God just settles you, your husband won't be a problem. Your wife won't be a problem. Your child won't be a problem. Find your bearing. Just find your bearing. Everything in our lives that is not working as it does, it ought to. It's not because the devil is stopping us. The man says that there is a place where no foul. He says there is a path where no foul knoweth. You see, there is a place where you can be found. 
the devil comes and says he lives at this plot. This is his address. I can attack him. But see, there is a path which no foul knoweth, and which the vulture's eye has not seen. The lion whelps have not trodden on it. Nor the fierce lion passed by it. Oh, he comes like a lion in the night, seeking for whom to devour. There is a path where the lion whelps have not trodden. Nor the lion... Listen. See, Christians say, I know some people teach and say, salvation is a life of attacks and other things, yes. But there's a place in God. Where a man can go beyond any attack. He doesn't stop his attackers. No. The anointing on him frustrates the consequence of any attack. There is a place. No foul noise. Jesus was attacked. But his ministry was not affected. You're, you're here also. On a man they attacked in Jerusalem. Do you understand where I'm coming from? There is a place in God where everything around us dies. And all we carry is only Jesus Christ. It's there in God. See, listen, imagine you're in a place, okay? That is why Job called it a path. That's why Job called it a path. Because he knows there's a necessity for the man to walk in. Not to stand still therein. Why? Because there's eternal function. That man died in stop ministration. You can arrest the man in prison and he says, for even though, Lord, brethren, I'm in prison, but yet am I persuaded that the gospel is not in prison. To, listen, it's like to kill Apostle Grace, you need to get to everybody in this room and kill them. And there are more who are not in this room. They're streaming live. They're still in schools. They're in universities. They're in secondary colleges. They're in your womb. You're pregnant. They're in your seed. I mean, the Bible says he sojourned the land with the patriarchs. He sojourned. Do you know? He, the Bible says he sojourned. He, in other words, he walked in the spirit through the land. With the patriarchs, Isaac, and what? He, the Bible says, for by faith he sojourned in the land of promise as in a strange country dwelling in tabernacles with Isaac and Jacob. The heirs with him of the same promise. They, they were inside, but they were walking with him. You understand? Some of you don't understand the reality of eternity. Eternal truth has stated that even the children you have not produced are already wired. Because this blessing goes for a thousand generations. Right now there is a girl you are about to produce her. Your son, my God, he'll be deadly. Why? Because when you receive it, when you receive it, it transfers. There is an anointing right now distributed on you. But it's going to your children. Paul, that is why Paul could work with Timothy. He says, Timothy, I see that faith which was in your grandmother. Eunice, and in your mother, listen, he says, when I will call to remembrance the unfaith faith that is in thee, which dwelt first in your grandmother, Lois, and thy mother, Eunice, and I'm persuaded. When Paul looked on Timothy, he realized that the thing inside in him. Listen, when Paul looked at Timothy, he realized that the thing inside, in, inside him is older than him. 
It was begun by a certain woman. She was praying. She produced the daughter. Listen. And listen. There was no male sperm. There was no male sperm. Listen. Listen. There was no male sperm. You see, in, in men, when we're talking about genealogy in human beings, the child is for the father. But when we become spiritual, because listen, the Bible says that the parable is that the seed is the word. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. And it says, I see a certain seed in you which dwelt firstly in your grandmother and your mother Eunice. They carried a seed. Oh, now you remember in Genesis. The seed of the woman shall crush. You see, <laughs> women are not supposed to have seed. That is why I want a woman who is born again and your child is failing you. They won't fail you. He says the, the seed of the woman shall bruise the word. Because he's talking of another seed. He knows Mary is going to come and she's going to receive a seed. And that seed is not going to be done by a human being. He's not going to be Joseph. I imagine the place where Joseph was. Yeah, I was thinking about it and I said, Nay, man, you're working with a pregnant chick and you're telling me and you, Casta, we know I'm not the one. <laughs> <laughs> Even if I was in that day, I would tell Joseph, no. <laughs> tell us the truth. <laughs> Who is understanding what I'm saying? So, let me, let me first, you know, forward. The, the principles, the, the, for example, in Hebrews 6.1, he gives the examples of the first principles, the elementaries, okay? Okay? And he speaks of, um, therefore, leaving the principles of the doctrine of Christ, the ones he explains in Hebrews 5, let us go on and to perfection, okay? Not laying again, one, the foundation of what? Repentance from dead works, uh-huh. Faith toward God, uh-huh. Of the doctrine of the baptisms, uh-huh. The laying on of the hands, uh-huh. And the resurrection of the dead, uh-huh. And of the eternal judgment. And he says, and this we will do. God permit. Do you realize there are six? What does the number six in the scriptures represent? The number of man. You get it? It is so when, when we place a place of wanting to go into perfection you cease to live the life of a normal man. Are you hearing me? You cease to live the life of a normal man. The biggest weakness to Christianity is People who love being men. I, I am a man. Even me, I make mistakes. I'm a man. You see, why don't you say you're a child of God? What is wrong with that? Why don't you say you are a child of God? Why do you love the lines of men? Even me, I'm a man. No, but you are a child of God. Do you realize that the part of you that remains is going to be a child of God? Do you realize that the child of God in you overrides anything that is human? That is the habitual line that exercises itself. To be conscious that I'm a seed of God. I am born from above. I'm not normal. Are you hearing me? But you see, if you read about those six, you realize that 
Today, the church of Christ. Eh? Do you know this battle? People are saying, oh, the grace message, the grace gospel. I've realized the church is still debating repentance from dead works. The first one. Because the scriptures are very clear. In Hebrews. He speaks of, of the place where the place to the holy of holies was not revealed until the time of reformation. The Bible speaks of them doing sacrifices. Okay? And it was in diverse washings and, and meats. And he says, which stood only in meats and drinks and diverse washings and can ordinances imposed on them until the time of reformation. Now that's very important. When you talk about the time of reformation, there's a time where God came and started to change the mindset of men. Why? Because they were, this was a the difference. They were looking at meats and drinks and diverse washings and can ordinances imposed on them until the time of reformation. Now let's continue the next verse. The next verse says, but Christ being come and high priest of good things to come by a greater and more perfect tabernacle, not made with hands, that is to say, not of the building, uh -huh. neither of the blood of goats and, and calves, but by his own blood he entered once in the holy place, having obtained eternal redemption for us. For, listen, if the blood, listen, listen to, 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 to what they were doing before reformation, they had blood of bulls and goats and ashes of heifers sprinkling the unclean, sanctified and purified their flesh. They were always in the dispensation where everything they were doing was to have a clean flesh. And when they carry a clean flesh, they are, they are purged with a conscience that, oh yes, I am free. But you see, let's, let's see, let's see. How much more, listen, shall the blood of Christ, which through the eternal spirit offered himself without spot of God, of God sorry, without spot to God, purge, not your flesh. He says, conscience from dead works. Because if you want to deal with dead works, you deal with a conscience issue, not a flesh issue. What might we do that we might do the works of God? He leaves what they have to do in the business of the flesh. He gets to what they have to do in the business of the spirit. He says there's only one work that you ought to do. Believe on me. They made it many. What might we do? They said unto him, what shall we do that we might work the works? Plural. Of God. Jesus answered and said unto them, This is the work. I want one of them, only one, that you believe on whom? On him whom we are sent. This is what I want. I don't want you to. Don't, don't, hey, what can I do hey, to do this? Uh, first, get the anointing to go on prayer mountains. Um, if you want God to change you, go on the prayer mountain for 60 days. For me, the Lord separated me because I spent 20 days on the mountain. 65. Listen, he says, Believe believe. That's a conscience issue. It's not a flesh issue. That's why some people fast and die. Do I believe in fasting? I fast probably more than all of you. But you see, I have a revelation before I do it. I don't just do it. But you know how many people know there's a guy one time who fasted and ran mad. He fasted and the next thing they knew, ooh, ooh, ooh. Mm. they took then the parents said, ah, mm, I said, Maraka, Shentele, Baraka, Satan. You know, the Bible doesn't refuse us to be angry. It just says, don't, don't sin. You understand? But you see, I was disturbed that somebody ran mad in the face of seeking Jesus Christ. Are you with me? Are you with me? So you realize that the place of reformation was the shifting of the attachment men had to the purifying of the flesh. With that a conscience. 
Because they would go back to the same issue. So he says, let me purify the conscience. Because if I purify the conscience, and a man is void of offense toward God and man, then the flesh is no problem. It will submit to the conscience. Because the conscience is the place that hears God. Even if your flesh is clean, but your conscience is corrupt, you can't hear God. And if you can't hear God, how can you walk a life without hearing God? But you see, the system and stage of reformation for the church during that time, are you hearing me? For the church during that time, necessitated a place of purification from the flesh to the conscience. But that's not where the church is. And that's not where the church is supposed to be. But we are not even there. We are still debating on dead works. Grace, the grace message is saying sin. You see, how can, you see, when the Bible says all things are pure to them which are pure. And to the defiled, he said, an unbelieving. You see, because you cannot have a place of defilement if you have faith. He, whatever is not done in faith is sin. In fact, the place of faith is the place where a man walks out of sin. But they don't see that. Because we need reformation. Because the place to the holy of holies is not yet revealed. So their sacrifices are in meats and drinks and what they are doing every day to attain a God. Who is more eager to have them before they even fast? But they cannot yield. And that's the place of pride. That very pride is the very reason why we're not growing in the church of Christ today. Because a guy would rather go on a prayer mountain to seek God for something he can get from another man's hand. Iron sharpens iron. So the countenance of another man sharpens another. Yo, listen, why are you going on prayer mountain when a guy has what you need? It's not yet revealed. See, some of you ignore the power of words in the changing of lives of men. In Job 16, I think 5, he gave an example where he says that his words should strengthen the spirit of man. You understand? Give me sense. He says that I would strengthen you with my mouth and the moving of my lips should assuage your grief. In other words, these words you speak are not small. They are spirit and their life. They are spirit and their life. They are spirit and their life. In Romans eleven fourteen, Paul speaks of a place where he, 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 get, get me there, get me there. He says, if by means I may provoke to emulation, emulation means imitate. I may provoke men to a place of imitating them which are my flesh, that I may save some. There is a place where Paul ministers to God in a certain way. Because he knows if he draws certain imitations, he'll, he'll save men. So he tells the church, imitate me, even as I imitate Christ. And there's a place where Timothy would be too stupid. To refuse an imitation of a man walking with God to go to a prayer mountain to get the very substance. That is pride. It's like a man seeing Jesus walking on the face of this earth and he says, no, me, I don't want his salvation. Me, let me go on a prayer mountain and get my own. You understand? Whether you want it or not. Listen, you don't need a man to get to God. You don't need any man to grow in the anointing. You don't need any man to change anything. You don't need any man to see God. You don't need any man to hear his voice. You don't need any man to become a success. But God needs a man. Even Jesus. He realized that if he doesn't take on the form. He was not going to win the souls of men. He wasn't. Even God needs a man. You, you don't need. But God does. If you're mature, you understand what I mean. 
Whether you're talking about revival, it is God. Whether you're talking about delivering nations, the Bible says he delivered a nation by a prophet. Whether you're talking about delivering cities and countries, he delivers them from another man's hand. There's always leaders in every generation. There's always people the Lord has set before us in every generation. Listen, me, I have this feeling. Eh? When I meet a man with what I want, I've gotten it. All I need to do is to keep the fig tree and be available for the master. You don't get it. Go back to Proverbs 27, 17. He says that iron sharpens iron. Uh-huh. So the what? What does the next verse say? The next verse says, whoso keepeth the fig tree shall eat the fruit thereof. So he that waiteth on his master I just need to, to wait on him. Serve him if I have to. Do everything I must to get what he has. Why? Because God needs men. Me, I don't need them. Me, I don't what? Need them. Paul was anointed. Don't be deceived. He was given the grace to lay the foundation of the gospel. And God gets his lousy head with Barnabas. He was still a baby. But you see, Paul didn't even know the order of the spirit. Yet he was truly anointed. Truly anointed. In Acts 13, he goes to the church. And the Bible says, and the prophets in Antioch, okay? They were prophet teachers, okay? He says, give me the first verse, 13. He says, now that we are in this church that was at Antioch, certain a congregation blessed with a number of prophet preachers, teachers, Barnabas, Simeon, nicknamed Niger, Lucius, Saranian, and Menayan, an advisor to the rule of Herod. So, uh-huh. one day, as they were worshiping God, they were also fasting. As they waited for guidance, the Holy Spirit told them, take Barnabas. In fact, according to the Spirit, Paul was not even yet translated. He was still Saul. And that's why they miss it. Because he has had experiences in Damascus, in Arabia. He has preached three years in Damascus. He has a certain anointing upon his life. But to God, he's not yet converted. To God, he's still Saul. To God, he's still considered after Barnabas. To God, Barnabas is still ahead of Saul. He says, the spirit didn't say, separate me, Paul and Barnabas. No, he says, separate me, Barnabas and Saul. There is a place in the scriptures where Saul transitions into Paul. It's not at the conversion with Ananias. Some people think it is so. No. 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 The proclamation that imputes the righteousness of that name could have taken place before. But the real experience of Saul camp Paul happened at a different place. Read the scriptures. It was after they lay hands on him to separate him for the work. Now, Saul can't say, me, I was given the grace to lay the foundation of the mystery of the gospel. I don't need any man. When he was separating me, nobody was there. Okay. Continue. In this life, eh, there are men God needs for you. (laughs) You don't need them. Don't get me wrong. But there are men God. Some might be above you. Some might be at your level. You remember in 1 Samuel 23, uh, from about the 16th verse. You remember the gift God gave David? Jonathan. The Bible says he strengthened 
the hand of David in God. You see, he, he strengthened the hand of David in God and told him that thou shalt what? Next verse. He says, and to him, fear not, for the hand of Saul, my father, shall not find thee. And thou shalt be king over Israel, and I shall be next unto thee. That Saul, my father, also knows. But you see, even though David is anointed to be king, he needed a certain man to strengthen his hand in God. Hey, but he's king, yes. But he ne- God needed, okay, let me use it again like this way. God needed a certain man to strengthen David in the Lord. But I'm not saying David needed Jonathan. You get where I'm coming from? Let me tell you, do you know what is killing Uganda? We are orphaned. We are orphaned. We have people they call fathers, but they are just called. Do you understand? If the Bible says you who are spiritual, if a man is overtaken by fault, you who are spiritual, Criticize. You who are spiritual, talk on radio stations. Go church to church warning. He says, you who are spiritual, restore such a one in a spirit of gentleness. Lest you yourselves be tempted. The young men in this nation who are accused for preaching the false gospel, ask them, has any father ever reached out? No way. You think they don't want to be fathered? They want to. Some people think fathering is having a long life being old with gray hair listen listen now even the boys that have been raised they also they also don't know how to be fathers anymore because they were not fathered you get it they all run out prodigal they have to first break up with their senior pastor then they go with a rebellious spirit and then they say the lord has called me and you see they want to reap what they didn't sow Mm -mm, me i'm anointed i was given the grace to lay the foundation. Read church history. Read one general that was not accountable. None finished well. You're not going to be the first one. Ah, me, I'm submitted to the Holy Spirit. Okay. <laughs> but God needs certain people for you. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. <laughs> Praise the Lord Jesus Christ. Let me tell you. Let me tell you. Look at Elisha. He wants something. And this guy just tells him, if you see me go. He didn't tell him first for 40 days. Or six, no, you just see me go. You get my point? Because God honors the grace on this man's life. That's why I told people one time, God could not speak differently from the voice of Eli, even though the man was fallen. He had to speak like Eli. He, eh, eh, he had to speak like Eli. Did you call me? No, I didn't call you. And he perceived. <laughs> because Eli knew. He ha- God speaks like him to the boy. <laughs> Do you understand what I'm trying to tell you? Listen, it's pride to refuse a sharpening. But then I've, I used to ask God, why do men resist this? And I realized some men are not iron. They are honing stone. You know what a honing stone is? That stone they used to sharpen. Some of them can sharpen, but they're not sharp. Some of them can't be sharpened because every time iron gets on them, iron looks like it's cutting them because they are wood. Oh, like a master builder. I've laid the foundation, but take it how you build. Some are going to build with stone, gold, marble, wood, 
hay and stay. And every work shall be tested. Of what sort? <laughs> because he knows there's a place where some people are building with something different. Me, I'm going to shock you. There are many people who have been in ministry for so long, but they're not born again. Me, I'm telling you, that heaven is going to shock us. You wait. <laughs> heaven is going to shock us. You're going to say, yeah, but this guy, you see, because it's easy to have a zeal, but not according to knowledge in Romans 10. But you see, for them which carried a zeal without knowledge, he said, I pray they might be saved. He didn't pray that they might have a zeal with knowledge. No, because he realizes that they're not saved. He says, brethren, my heart's prayer to God for Israel is that they might be saved. For I bear them a record that they have a zeal of God, but not according to knowledge. They have a zeal. They, listen, the zeal is there. They're in the synagogue. They're praying in the third hour. Praying in the sixth hour. They find a Samarian beaten and they're late for the ninth hour and they bypass him. He can't heal on Sabbath day. He says, for they being ignorant of the righteousness of God have gone ahead to establish their own righteousness, refusing to submit to the righteousness which is of God. Imagine, if a man refuses the righteousness of God, according to heavenly standards, he's not born again. He's not just an ignorant Christian. Paul said he's not born again. Because remember, when the Bible speaks of refusing to submit, in other words, they rebel. And the Bible says rebellion is as witchcraft. That is why when he finds the Galatians, he asks them, who bewitched you? <laughs> Listen. Somebody has gotten sharpened today. I said, somebody has gotten sharpened today. Listen. The Lord told me today that some people are going to receive an impartation. By the Holy Ghost. 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 Are you ready? Are you ready? Are you ready? Listen, this is what I heard. This is what I heard. Listen, the first day I did Fanero, I sat 1,200 people. I didn't begin in a house. Are you hearing me? It's a grace. Probably God took me 10 years to teach me this. But somebody's receiving it by impartation this evening. Receive it now. Just receive it. Just receive it. Just receive it. Just receive it. There are things that took us many years to receive. But the Lord told me tonight, a man is sharpened into that place in just hours, in just seconds. Are you ready? Receive it now. Holy Ghost. Holy Ghost. Holy Ghost. Holy Ghost. I see a healing anointing on some individuals. Right this very moment, the lame will walk, the blind will see, the deaf will hear, 
the damp will speak tumors will disappear right now in the name of Jesus I want you to receive it receive it I see a spirit of revelation I see a spirit of revelation on somebody Holy Ghost sharpen his countenance sharpen our countenance speak in other tongues I need you I work defense my righteousness of God speak in other tongues oh, I need you oh Lord I need you oh I need you yeah says things are going to come early for you. <laughs> Somebody just take only one minute and ask God for our generation. Ask. Ask. Ask for our generation. Don't ask for money. Don't ask for cars. Ask for our generation. I don't care how old you are. You still have some years on earth. I righteous men. So No devil will stand in your way. I said no devil. No devil. was simple that what the Lord has done in our lives for 10 years my prayer to God was let a man receive it in just minutes it's okay if they do more that is for you God to decide but men should not take many years to move in the same glory Thank you, Lord Jesus. 
Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. If you're sick, God is healing you now. Receive your healing in the name of Jesus. Receive your healing in the name of Jesus. Receive your healing in the name of Jesus. Listen, men of God, men of God, we are entering a speed that the world has never seen before. We are ready. We are ready. The word of God is sharpening us. It's a double-edged sword. As revelation comes, we are going to change. We are going to change. It's mine. I receive it. You can't walk out of this room the same again. You said today, I want Jesus. I want you to raise your hand up and say me, I want Jesus today. I want to be sharpened by God. I want you to repeat these words after me. Say, Lord Jesus, I believe in my heart and I confess you with my mouth that you are Lord and I'm born again from today in Jesus mighty name the message you have just heard was brought to you by Fenero Ministries International for more information contact us on telephone number 041-466-4291 or email us at fenerocompala at gmail.com you can also find us on the web at www.fenero.org or better still, feel free to join us every Thursday for our weekly fellowships at Uma Multipurpose Hall from 5 p.m. to 8 p.m. You can also catch the live stream at livestream.com slash Fenero. Fenero. Make manifest.